0: My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. Our Sunday School is part of Stuart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. To prepare for this lesson, please go to OurSundaySchool.com for a copy of today's handout. Now, let's get to this week's lesson. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Our Sunday School. Mm. We've already had a blast this morning, for those of you that are online. So we're in Philippians chapter 1 today, uh, and I believe... I believe, I believe, we're going to finish chapter one today. Yes, it is possible, in fact, to finish things. So Now, we won't talk about finishing all the Philippians. Like That's his whole other forecast, so we'll get there. Maybe. We'll see. All right, so I'm going to read through Philippians chapter one. Feel free to uh, listen along. Uh, For those of you online that don't have a handout, our handout is online at OurSundaySchool.com, so feel free to grab one there. And uh, this is Philippians chapter 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you. Always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I'm sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Indeed, it is right for me to think this way about all of you because I have you in my heart and you are all partakers with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how deeply I miss all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment so that you may approve the things that are superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole Imperial Guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is because I am in Christ. Most of the brothers gain confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment and dare even more to speak the word fearlessly. To be sure, some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. These preach out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, thinking that they will cause me trouble in my imprisonment. What does it matter? Only that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice because I know this will lead to my salvation through your prayers and help from the Spirit of Jesus Christ. My eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything, but that now, as always, with all courage, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Now if I live on in the flesh, this means fruitful work for me, and I don't know which one I should choose. I'm torn between the two. I long to depart and be with Christ, which is far better, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Since I am persuaded of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that because of my coming to you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus may abound. Just one thing, as citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or am absent, I will hear about you that you are standing firm in one spirit, in one accord, contending together for the faith of the gospel, not being frightened in any way by your opponents. This is a sign of destruction for them, but of your salvation, and this is from God. For it has been granted to you on Christ's behalf, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, since you were engaged in the same struggle that you saw I had, and now here that I have. Philippians chapter 1. So if you got your handout, we're starting today on page 98. i going to cross into the triple digits today as well. Some of y'all are like, so... It's a long ways. We're also halfway through the book, so I'm excited about that. So we, uh, we just finished up, so let's take a look at uh, today's text. Um, and, and I want to I I lean into something real quick and make sure we understand what's referring to what. Because this sentence in English, this is a sign of destruction for them. So the, the question is, what's the this referring to? So if you look at your biblical text... Look at your biblical text. What does the "this" refer to? I'll give you a second. The encouraging thing is that um, relative pronouns in Greek are usually relatively close to the thing that they are relative to. The opponents, the, opponents? Fear. the fear of the opponents. There you go. That's right. So that that there's there's kind of a it's a it's a two pro, I I. I believe, Dave, you and uh, Josh are both correct that it is both the opponents and the fear of the opponents. The existence of opponents is a good thing in the life of a believer. That is a sign that the believer is a believer. The lack of fear in the face of opponents is a sign that a believer is a believer. So that's that's the referent back to what we're talking about. So this is a sign of destruction for them. So when a pagan oppresses a Christian and the Christian does not fear, that is a sign to the pagan that their destruction is coming. So like, keep, but that's, our, that's our jumping off point uh, from a uh, literary perspective today. So this is a sign of destruction for them, but of your salvation. And this is from God. For it's been granted to you on Christ's behalf, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, since you're engaged in the same struggle you saw I had and now hear that I have. Uh, and I will tell you right now, this is the word I'm gonna focus on today, the word granted. Because this is a stunningly beautiful, unbelievably... Uh, it, did you ever study the Bible and you, you, you finish looking at a text or a word and you go, I did not see that coming. Like, Uh, wow, it's just, it has has wrecked me for the last couple of weeks, and I am, this is one of those, I'm glad to get this out of my system, uh, so that we can move to chapter 2, because I have been hung up on this word granted for a minute. So, uh, let's go to the next slide, Dave, and that'll be our last one for today, so, there you go. Uh, So, on page 98, we're about halfway down page 98 on your handout, so this, so if you want to if you want to draw an arrow back to opponents or fear of your opponents, uh, feel free to do that. I'm a big fan of, like, what what is, what refers to what. Um, some people get their uh, understanding of how a text is structured and organized by outlining the text, uh, and I think that works fairly well for some writers. It drives me bonkers for Paul because I don't want 19 subparts, it, it's, his sentence structure is just too complicated. So yeah, that's one of the reasons I'm not going to lean into that at all for our study of uh, Philippians. All right, so this, this fear of opponents, is a sign, and a sign is just an indication. Um, uh, it's a sign of destruction for them. So no application or personalization here. We'll, we'll put them on the, the next uh, page here on page 99. But this word destruction, um, there has been, I, I want to I tell you what it's not, and then we'll lean into what it is. They did, Paul did not use the word annihilation. Okay, because there is a belief in uh, Christianity that God will not, in fact, uh, permanently condemn or torment the lost, but that rather they will at some point become annihilated and no longer uh, cease to exist, and their suffering will end. Uh, and some people point to this word for that. And This word just doesn't mean that. There are Greek words that means to no longer exist. Paul knew those words because he used them elsewhere. He did not use it here. This just means destruction or ruin or loss. Um, So this is not annihilation. Uh, This word destruction is also used later in Philippians. It's used in chapter three, verse 19, uh, where he is talking about reaching forward to the goal. And he's talking again about the enemies of the cross of Christ in verse 18, and he says their end is destruction, their God is their stomach, their glory is in their shame, and they're focused on earthly things. So it's the the opposite of what Paul is calling the Philippian believers uh, to be. The the end for the believer is the glory of God. The God for the believer is Jehovah. Uh, Our glory is in the cross of Christ and we are focused on heavenly things. It's literally the the opposite of everything Paul describes here. So this word destruction, he's he's looking forward to their destruction uh, when he's talking about this. All right, so this is a sign of destruction for them. You notice the them is plural, it's not a singular. So here's our first application down at the bottom of page 99. Opposition is always plural. Opposition is always plural. I know in my life sometimes I can get, I can get uh, focused on, like, this one person is my mortal enemy. Dah. It's like, no, actually not. We wrestle not with flesh and blood. There's... There's powers behind that opposition, right? So we know that there's always a plurality of opposition because it's not just about the flesh and blood. But for Paul's immediate context right here, this is flesh and blood opposition and there is spiritual opposition as well and both are plural. So what do we do? What do we do when we see and recognize that opposition is always plural? I I will give you this as a hint. There's going to be a theme in our personalizations today. And what we do is we rejoice. We rejoice because this is a sign of our salvation, and it's from God. This is a gift of God. We're going to get to that in a second. We rejoice. Opposition is always plural, so we rejoice. And then there's that comma, and the but of your salvation. Is the your singular or plural? It's, singular. I'm sorry, plural? it's plural, yes. I'll give you a tip. All the yours in Philippians are plural. <laughs> so, application number two family is always plural. Yes, the opposition is plural, but the family of God is always plural, too. So what do we do with that? We rejoice. That's exactly right. We rejoice. God did not leave us alone to fight battles (laughs) that we can't win alone. God's family is always plural. So this is a sign of your salvation. This is the, the generic word for salvation. It occurs 47 times in the New Testament. Uh, Paul uses it a couple times in uh, three times in Philippians, and I, I, I wrote a little summary in my margin of my notes here. It says, "Being offended for gospel work is a sign of being part of the family of God." I'm sorry, being being opposed for gospel work is a sign of being part of the family of God. So that's the thrust of his argument here. And this, so it's it's not just it's not just it exists, but he's going to tell us what the source of it is, right? So the this is a demonstrative pronoun. So what are we referring back to with that this? It was an awkward sentence. What does that this refer to? Yeah, the sign of the salvation, right? Is what? The sign of that salvation is from who? It's from God, yeah. Yeah. You're like, well, that makes sense. The sign of the salvation is from God. Okay, cool. Makes sense, right? And then he tells us the why. And and this is verse 29, is the why. It's also the, the how this is from God. For it has been granted. Now, this word granted is passive, which means it's going to be happening to the Object of the sentence. The object of the sentence is the Philippians. For it has been granted to you, so this is granted to grant as a favor, in kindness, a pardon, or rescue. So let me put it this way God, in his kindness, uses opposition as a sign of ownership. In his kindness. Now, I, I don't know how you feel about opposition to the gospel work that you are engaged with in your life, but it is a favor, it is a kindness from God to allow that into our lives. Like, is that, does that resonate with, like, yeah, that makes sense, absolutely. Uh, I, I'm going to say the health and wealth and prosperity gospel is not going to dig too deeply into Philippians one twenty nine and the meaning of that word granted. Because it really butts up against the idea of, well, God only wants my good. No, God wants his good. And he displays his glory through opposition to the gospel in our lives, which I think is incredible. Yes, ma'am. Can I repeat that? Yes. Uh, God, in his kindness, uses opposition as a sign of ownership. So who is this granted to? You. The Philippians, plural. Again, it's plural. It's not a singular thing. He didn't pick out his favorite favorite Philippian. He's like, this is just for you, Cletus. Right? This is just for you, Yodia. This is just for you, Syntyche. Like, is it not Cletus? What's the guy's name at the end? It's not Cletus, is it? I goofed that up. Clement. Clement. No, I wasn't. This is what happens when I don't refer back directly to the text, right? This is the. It was so close. It's Cletus sitting in the Bible. Cletus is like a gun smoke character, right? Is that what I'm. I know where. It's all getting jumbled now. Now I'm fuzzy. I'm glad I got the, the thrust of the lesson out right now because we're, we're good at this point. All right. Woo! You saw all the redneck come out in one fell swoop right there. That was it. We dealt with it. God, I tell you. All right, so it's been granted as a favor, as a kindness to you on Christ's behalf. And this is a, it's a, it's a really, it's a bit of a strange uh, wording here, this on Christ's behalf. So I'm not going to lean too far into it because no matter how you translated it, it really doesn't impact any of the meaning or the application of the personalization. Um, but down at the bottom of page 100, if you want an application and a personalization here, so application, uh, belief. And suffering are a kind favor from God. Belief and suffering are a kind favor from God. So when was the last time somebody did you a favor? You called them up and you're like, hey, I need a favor. Or you texted them. Or maybe you sent them a Facebook messenger request while you are on vacation because you forgot to put your trash can out and you needed your neighbor named Josh Blair to go and take your trash to the road (laughs) to help you because you needed a favor. And your neighbor said, I'm not doing that. <laughs> no, your neighbor said, absolutely, happy to do it. It's done. There you go. And then you saw your neighbor on your camera doing the thing, and there was evidence of the thing. Just briefly. It's like, it's, it's okay. It's okay. Trashy neighbor. There you go. Just the one. So, do we have people in our lives that we can call up and ask favors to. Yeah, right. And I would argue, like, sometimes in our prayers to the Lord, we can pray as if we're asking for a favor. Like, hey, could you, could you make this happen? Like, that'd be really cool. And I will challenge us to be careful what we ask for as a favor when God has said, this is what I'm granting to you as a favor. Let's make sure our ask and his will are lined up really nicely. Because if you want to ask God for a favor, hey, can you bring some opposition to the work that you're doing in my life to advance the gospel? Can you bring that opposition into my life as evidence that I am, in fact, a child of yours? I don't hear that prayer very often. Um, Several years ago, we did a secret church. You guys ever been to a secret church? Is the... Uh, I'm super hesitant on all names now. Platt, is it Platt? Yes, David Platt. Thank you. It wasn't Cletus Platt. I know that. Uh, so David Platt, does he still do these or not? I think he, he may still do. Okay, cool. It's like six hours of just him going until his voice gives out, and at the end he, he was like, "I don't, I can't get an hour and a half." It's just incredible how far the man can go. And this one was about the persecuted church. And he would preach for 30, 40 minutes, and he would stop and pray. And he'd preach for a little while, and we'd stop and pray. And they had prayer requests directly from highly oppressed areas of the world. And one of the prayer requests, and I w- this is just, I read it, and I, I was like, I don't, I don't know that I can pray that. It was just too, I, that had not crossed my mind before. They said, we are not praying for the opposition to stop. We are praying for us to be strengthened in the midst of it. And I was like, well, that's the most un-American thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Like, I, I got I, everything that comes at me in my life with advertising and marketing and every time I pick up that little, oh, it's in my pocket, um, is all and only about how to make my life easier and softer and like, oh, yeah, this is better. It's like what, what do you do with an advertisement, an email that comes in your inbox, Dave Barber, that says, I want to make your life more opposing? Delete and unsubscribe, <laughs> right? And, and yet, Paul says it's a favor to us on Christ's behalf. Like, this is how we relate to Jesus. This is, this is what participating in his suffering, this is what that looks like. God did not call us to an easy path. He called us to a path that he walks with us. And that makes all the difference. Makes all the difference. All right, so I'm going to get off this word. Otherwise, I'm going to preach nine sermons on this, and we'll be here forever. So it has been granted, for it has been granted to you on Christ's behalf, not only to believe, which, it's like, come on. All right, so... Like, the believe is the jumping off point in Paul's sentence here. Like, we're just getting started. You know, this is my, but wait, there's more. Not only to believe in him, and in who's the him? Christ, right? Great. So we're on page 102. Not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. You're like, wait, I thought Jesus suffered for me. I'm supposed to suffer for Jesus? Let's read it again. For it has been granted to you on Christ's behalf, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Like, wait, that can't be what that says. For it has been granted to you on Christ's behalf, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. It is what it says. Like, what in the world? This is crazy. So what is, like, does does Paul make this sound in the narrative? Like, as I'm reading through Philippians 1, did Paul make this sound like this is something special just for you, Philippians? Like, nobody else has got this, but this is just for you. No. If you read all of the Pauline corpus, this is, like, here's your application. Suffering for Christ is normative. Suffering for Christ is normative. Like, this is... It's for us from God. Okay. What do you think we ought to do about that? Rejoice! Because He is with us through it. I have little need for a God who is only with me in good times. I have great need for a God who is with me in dark times, in hard times. Suffering for Christ is normative. For it has been granted to you on Christ's behalf, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Then we come to verse 30. This is the example that Paul gives. To back up the theology that he's just communicated. I, I will tell you, I, I think uh, the versification, which is a word I had to look up this week. is like where they put the verse numbers in verses 27 through 30 is beautiful from a grouping things together in logical sequence. Where it might not necessarily look like it from a sentence perspective, but the thrust of each one of the verses is, is quite uh, distinct, which I think is very nicely done. So verse 30, since you are engaged, that's a plural present active participle. So the plural, the whole group, the present active participle, this is the habit, this is your habit, this is your norm, this is the, the, the experience that you've had, and remember how... Like, how old do we think the Philippian church is here? How long has it been since Paul and Silas got locked up? May remember? 10, 12 maybe years, somewhere around in there. This is, this is not a uh, 100-year-old established church. Uh, one of the guys I follow on Twitter, he's uh, doing a sabbatical in England right now, and uh, he got to go visit a church that was built in the 1300s and it's been it has been since then an existing congregation and he's he's preaching he preached i think uh last sunday morning he was like that's an old church (laughs) right can't imagine like that's can you imagine like our church is just 700 years old Crazy. This church is, I mean, they're still counting in, they haven't even gotten to the decades ticks yet, right? We're just still in the single year's ticks. But this was their habit. This was their normal experience. Since you're engaged, and this word engaged just means you hold on to or you have, it's very typically common, uh, translated as the word have. Uh, you have the same struggle. Uh, so now, this is a... Uh, this might be the best example of uh, semantic range in Philippians chapter 1, this word for struggle. So the first definition for this word for struggle is a place of assembly. Does it, does it feel like that definition fits this <laughs> word? You're like, no, I don't think so. All right. The second definition of this word struggle means a contest. You're like, uh, may, may, like if that was all we had, we maybe could lean there. And the third one is effort or anxiety. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, there we go. I think we, I think we got it. So what happens here is it literally, and this is why we don't necessarily want a literal reading of Scripture and literally translating every single word. You end up with an extraordinarily wooden, stiff, odd-to-understand-and-comprehend translation that if you just said you are engaged in the same place of assembly, you're like, what? What? Because it literally meant that. But what was happening there was a contest. There was some type of uh, physical contest going on that involved effort and anxiety. And the word became known as the effort and the anxiety. So you have this beautiful semantic range for this word that you can really pull and play into lots of different situations. All right. So I got my, uh, my teaching itch out of my way right there. So. So since you are engaged in the same struggle, this effort, that you saw, and, and I love what Paul does here with this verb. This is a plural. They, they collectively saw it, and it's an indicative. He's saying, I know this is a statement of fact. From your perspective, this is a statement of fact. So, so if they saw the struggle, what do we know about the struggle? The struggle is? Yes, real. The struggle is real. Because you would not think that I would write that. It is written right there. The struggle is real. (laughs) So when you experience the struggle, and when I experience the struggle, and the thought that pops in our head is, "Oh, well, I can't be in God's will because this is hard. Guess what? The struggle is real. That's application number one. So what do we do with that? We rejoice, we rejoice. You know why we can rejoice? Because the struggle is shared. The struggle is shared. We are not in this struggle alone. We have a community of believers in this struggle with us. We have all three members of the Trinity, engaged with us in this struggle. So yes, the struggle is real, but yes, the struggle is shared. So what do we do with that? Seriously, guys, at this point, what do we do with that? We rejoice. Yes, we rejoice. It's exactly right. He walks with us in this. So verse 30, since you're engaged in the same struggle that you saw I had, and now here... This is a plural present uh, active indicative. So the present tense is this; it's it's ongoing right now. So was Paul correct? Was he factually correct to say that his struggle was presently ongoing? Yeah, because he could move and hear the chains rattling. Like that's how present his struggle was ongoing. You hear that I have. So not only is the struggle real and the struggle is shared, but the application in the bottom of page 104: the struggle is present. The struggle is present. So what do we do with that? We rejoice. But. But. The struggle is not permanent. It's not permanent. There is coming a day struggle will end. And the only one who will struggle, and it will not even really be a struggle, because he will defeat his enemies with the word of the mouth, and that will be the end of that. There's coming a day when the struggle will be over. So what do we do with that? We rejoice. Absolutely. You thought this was just going to be some boring little wrap-up to the chapter, didn't you? There's a lot of good stuff in here. This is like this little 27 through 30 is is the good stuff for a bad day, which in reality is the good stuff for a good day. Because that opposition is demonstration in our lives that we are, in fact, God's. That's what I need. I don't know what you guys need. That's what I need. All right, so that's Philippians chapter 1. 19 weeks, not too bad. Here we go. We'll get there. Uh, next week, Lord willing, if you got your weekly update, uh, next week, Lord willing, we will be looking at preparing for Philippians 2, so we'll go through our process. Um, I'm, I think I, I put all those in here too, right? I did, yes. Before every chapter, yes. Good. So we'll be on page 106 next week. Um, and then the following Saturday, we've got a Sunday school party. I'd love to have you guys come to that. If you're coming, uh, please let us know how many in the Facebook group, that'd be great. Uh, the following week, Lord willing, we'll start Philippians two. And then we were off for two weeks. We don't do Sunday school on uh, the week of Christmas and the week of new year. Uh, and then we'll pick back up in 2023. With me undoubtedly writing the wrong date and uh, moving further into Philippians chapter 2. So, uh, so, if you would take a couple of minutes and uh, pray together as a group over the prayer requests that are on the page there. I'll uh, make sure your name's at the bottom of the, the front of that document. And then, if you've got any new prayer requests, those of you uh, in the room and online uh, would love to have uh, your prayer requests documented there. And that's the lesson for today, guys. Rejoice, 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 because the struggle is not permanent. Thanks. Thanks for engaging. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, YouTube channel, and weekly email. You can subscribe to all three of those at oursundayschool.com. Grace and peace to you.